Hi, everyone. This is Tim. I just want to thank you for the download and let you know that Radio MVP continues to expand as you can now find us on Stitcher and Downcast. All you have to do is search for Radio MVP to find us there. This is our brand new podcast on Radio MVP. It's called One on One with Tim Continenza, and it's my opportunity to talk to people around the valley and around the world. My first guest on One on One is Eric Denny. Eric is the head of poker content on the Global Poker Index. We're going to find out exactly what the Global Poker Index is and how he became a Cleveland Browns fan as Eric resides in Ottawa, Canada. If you'd like to follow Eric on Twitter, it's at Eric Denny Poker, and that is spelled E-R-I-C-D-A-N-I-S-P-O-K-E-R. I also want to tell you about a sponsor we have on Radio MVP, and that is Direct Sellers Wine Club. Life is complicated. Your wine shouldn't be. Let's make it easy. Join the Direct Sellers Wine Club. Get monthly deliveries direct to your door. Discover new selections each month. Build your own business if you'd like, or just subscribe to the bottle service. Very simple way to get to it. Just go to our Facebook page. Radio MVP pod and click shop now and learn more about direct sellers. Once again, just go to our Facebook page and click on shop now for direct sellers. Okay. Hey, let's get to it. Let's get to my conversation with Eric Denis, who is the head of poker content for the global poker index. Welcome to Radio MVP's debut of one-on-one with Tim Continenza. My special guest tonight is Eric Danis, or Eric Danny. We're going to get that exactly first right <laughs> off the bat, because I've heard it pronounced a lot of different ways, and you know, when I used to watch it, or I should say listen, listen on uh, Poker News, when I first met you, in a sense, because this is the first time we actually ever talked, it was Danis, and then as time went by, I've heard Danny. And I've heard Denise, and I'm like, okay, I don't know exactly the correct pronunciation. So, for start with Eric, how do we pronounce your last name? Hey Tim, thanks for having me on. I mean, officially, it's Denis. That's the French, uh, uh, you know, pronunciation. I am French Canadian, uh, after all. But that also explains why uh, people have butchered my name. I just am too polite to to correct them. So that tends to happen as well. But it just basically, it doesn't matter because even in French Canada. Uh, we butcher it even when speaking in French. So the, the correct pronunciation is not even used in my neck of the woods. So I just let it slide from time to time. And then, as you mentioned, on I, poker news, my, my friend Rich, uh, I was with uh, French-Canadian friends in Vegas, and he heard people call me by my last name and was confused by the uh, pronunciation. So that's how he decided to uh, to switch to Denis, and it stuck since. So, But whatever works. I'll go by Eric, and whatever you want to call me is fine by me. I understand. My last name is Continenza, and everyone yeah. always uh, says that's a lot of vowels, and I says yes, it is. And uh, in Northeast Ohio, there's quite a few of us who have right. uh, a lot of vowels in their name. So <laughs> I understand, uh, and I just I've always uh, had that. Well, let's put it this way: I've covered a lot of high school sports in my lifetime, and especially over the last 25 years. And there's nothing worse than a mother yelling at you because you did not pronounce the name the way they right. pronounce it. And you're like, okay, I apologize. You know, I'll never forget. I had a, I'm in a small little booth and it's about 80 degrees early summer. 
And this woman comes up to me. She goes, my son's name is Gutierrez, not Gutierrez. Oh, okay. No problem. I got it. From this point on, he is Gutierrez. Right. So, you know, it happens all the time. And uh, I, that's why I've always, in long-term, learned, just ask. Yeah. What the heck? Well, What's the worst thing to do? Not find out? To be fair, in that case, that's a little unfair to you because I'm sort of a, a stickler with, with names and being a you know French-Canadian and being a hockey guy, it was always, you know, when I was younger, always wanted to make sure that I had the right pronunciation. I used to do announcing at hockey games, and, you know, I'm a stickler for that. But when it comes to Gutierrez, that's a little unfair that it's pronounced differently. So I think you were doing the, yeah. you were doing the right thing there, but uh, it just so happens that they changed it along the way. <laughs> you never know how this is going to yeah. well, Anyways, let me backtrack and, and introduce everybody to uh, Eric here. Eric is the editor and uh, I think has stats of a guy for the GPI, which is known as the Global Poker Index. And just take a moment and let my listeners who probably are not familiar with the GPI, what is it and how this ranking becomes about? Yeah, in poker, Tim, the teams have become so much smaller that basically whatever you want to give me for a title, I'll take. <laughs> you know, we do, we tend to do a lot of things. Uh, the GPI is uh, basically, if you're a tennis fan, it's the APT, ATP of tennis. If you're a golf fan, it's the world golf rankings of uh, golf. Um, basically ranks players and uh, based on their performances on the live tournament circuits. It doesn't look at online, just live. And live tournaments, obviously, not cash games because we, we let them have their privacy there. But when it comes to tournaments, uh, those results are readily available. Uh, we get them uh, registered to us on the Hendenbob database. Not a big fan of the name, but hey, it's, it's a, you know, it came from <laughs> England and the, the, the word mob is a bit more accepted in England than it is uh, uh, anywhere else in the world. So we take that data and translate it into basically rankings. And uh, we've been doing it for over five years now. It'll be our sixth year uh, this July. And uh, yeah, things are great. I mean, basically there's two systems. There's a system that looks at the best player in the world at this moment that looks at your last three years of statistics of uh, performance based by six month segments. And then there's a player of the year, which tends to be a bit more popular because people just like that race in December. And as we saw last year, we had some zaniness where they actually last major term of the year uh, we had a, a change in the POI. So it gets to be exciting in poker compared to other sports because there's literally a hundred tournaments a week, whereas in, in tennis or in golf, there's about a hundred a year. So there's a lot of uh, different elements to, to our business compared to theirs. Oh, there's question, no question about that. You know, one of the, I think the toughest things to do is, and you mentioned how, how you keep track of it, but it's just, there's thousands of tournaments uh, really uh, yeah. throughout the world. I mean, unlike the PGA or even the tennis world, you know, like you said, they have a season. You know, uh, you know, when the Australian Open is, you know, when the U.S. Open is, you know, in tennis and same with golf, you you know, you know, when the uh, the majors come about and the season ends, you know, in October and they may have sporadic tournaments after that. But there's a season poker. There really is no true season. It's year round. Does that make it more difficult to keep track or, you know, because we're coming into what a lot of people would call the the tournament season yeah. with the world series of poker coming up here uh, in Las Vegas here coming at the end of this month and going all the way through mid July. 
Yeah, there's a you know, there's a few tournaments. The WPT just had their World Championship. We have the uh, the now Poker Stars Championships that had their huge tournament in Monte Carlo, that big series there. And as you you mentioned, the WSOP is right coming right about uh, a few weeks from now. Um, yeah, I, to me, this is the most exciting part of the year. Uh, it always starts with the WPT, then the Poker Stars Championship, and then the World Series is its own beast. Basically, it's its own season. Uh, you know, if you had to look at different seasons in poker. Uh, the World Series is six weeks of you know daily tournaments, and it's a lot of uh, stress on the players, and does burn a lot of the players out. So that's why there's a little low. It's probably the only time of the year where you see a little calm before the, the August and September storm. So um, a lot of poker up for the players. And it is a challenge. Um, we're also, there's a few of us that are sort of obsessed and sticklers that, you know, you'll find me on a Sunday night looking at um, tournament results from the Christchurch Casino in New Zealand, uh, just trying to find someone that I can talk to because we need to, to find out who won that tournament. So, you know, just some odd things like that where if everything was reported, it'd be great. And most of the series are, but we always want to make sure to find every tournament around the world so you'll see me looking for tournaments in Johannesburg or New Zealand or anywhere else around the world uh, trying to make sure that every single result uh, is in our system because everyone can be ranked so you know and there's also national rankings that's important to people as well so we really are uh, obsessed with finding making sure that all the results are uh, entered in our system as, uh, as soon as possible you know uh, me being a uh, northeast Ohio guy who grew up with high school football and football rankings. It's, it's all a huge thing. And you're talking about finding results in that. And in Ohio, unlike a lot of other states, we have a ranking system that is computer-based for oh. the playoffs. So each, and there's actually now seven divisions. In each division, you get, you know, uh, 16 or eight teams, or I should say four regions with eight teams each making it. So or four teams making it. So in a long story I'm trying to tell you is there's a ranking system where uh, if team A is a division one team and defeats a division three team, which is a smaller school, they don't get as many points as they would have if right. they beat a division one school. Right. And it goes, you know, it goes both ways. If a division three happened to beat a division one, they would get more points because they played up in division and succeeded. And they only count the wins. They don't count the losses. But you have to have the entire schedule for every team. And some of these schools, it's tough to get the, the accurate score for throughout the, uh, right. the state. So, you know, there's times where they're getting down to the last week of the playoffs and they're scrambling to get the result of a team who may have played a Canadian team. Um, and it matters what that Canadian team did the rest of the year because they have secondary points which are are points that accumulate by their wins throughout the season. So, you know, if you had a team, let's just say from Ottawa, that came down to the United States and played someone in Ohio, and they may play seven or eight games the entire year, but you have to find out exactly who they played and, and <laughs> turn it into what it would be equivalent to uh, enrollment to an Ohio school. So I understand that idea that you got to find, you know, the – the smallest yeah. or the most important little detail to uh, to get these rankings, and it's it's an amazing thing what you guys do because I've been watching it for the last few years, and obviously learned about it on Poker News, like I mentioned uh, when you and Rich were doing the uh, the podcast, and uh, 
it was fun. It was it was a great time to learn more about the players because I think poker is the toughest thing to understand because players come and go. You're right. And in the same vein, uh, sometimes it's just maybe they've taken a break. Sometimes it's just they haven't had much success. So, yeah. you know, you might see someone pop up that was three, four years ago or even seven or eight years ago, all of a sudden have a, a tournament result. It's um it, it's always portrayed, or I guess people from the outside look at it as a glamorous life. And don't get me wrong, there's some people, some players that are living extraordinary lives because of poker. But for the most part, it is really a difficult, difficult day-to-day job. You have to, you know, to, to grind the casino circuit. And you know, if you're an American circuit grinder, um, I'm thinking of guys like Ali Kessler or Ari Engel, who's you know probably one of the, probably the best grinder in the world. Right. Uh, now ranked in our top, uh, I'll get it wrong, definitely in the top 20, but close to the top 10. And that's incredible for someone like Ari that doesn't play the high rollers or the super high rollers. He's just grinding every week. You'll see him go from 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 Tunica to, to Los Angeles to Baltimore. Yeah. Like, you know, for those guys, it sounds fun. And it is a fun life. Don't get me wrong. They don't have alarm clocks. They can decide to take a day off if they want. But it's it's quite a task. You know, only a few can really master it for so many years. Guys like Ari and Alan who are now, I guess, um, you know, the best of the grinders. But for a lot of people, after a year or two, the grind is really long and they just can't uh, can't do it. And... You know, if you have a couple of bad months, well, that's it for you. You're not getting paid. You're not getting sponsored for the most part. So it's a very challenging and it's a rough life. And you see it at the World Series. And Tim, I don't know if you've ever been to the World Series, but the World Series starts everyone. It's like um, the start of school. Everyone is so excited to be in Las Vegas. It's beautiful outside. It's in the hundreds. Everyone is excited. A few weeks in, you can tell the guys, some of the guys and girls are getting tired. And by the end of it, people are really excited to leave Las Vegas, unless they're doing well in the main event, and then they're excited. But for all, for the 10 other thousand people there, they just want to, to, to leave because it is, a, it is a rough life. And I think that's part of the, you know, something that if ever I can be lucky enough to do a documentary one day, I think it would be to show that part as well. As sure, it is glamorous. And hey, we just had a, a, good, a good old Quebec boy from, from Canada just, just won a million dollars yesterday in Montreal you know, from a $5,000 buy-in tournament. That's fantastic. Right. But uh, Mr. Savard had basically three caches all year, and he's been, you know, he's a good online grinder, but live, he hadn't picked up a lot of scores. So, you know, it's really challenging. Again, you don't get paid a salary, so if you're not doing so well, boy, it really starts to hurt the pocketbook, and it really uh, just drains you emotionally. There's no doubt about it. It's interesting. There's no doubt about it. No, I've never been to the World Series. Maybe uh, I'll get my chance to get out there. My goal but it's, it's something that's evaded me the last uh, couple of years is uh, is to get out to Reno for uh, Run It Up Reno. and uh, Very nice. Jason, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Somerville, I'm a big fan of his. I've been yeah. uh, I've been fortunate. I found him online uh, about three, four years ago, probably about four or five years ago when he was just doing the YouTube videos and, you know, have been uh, following him ever since. And uh, I keep threatening him that I'm going to get out there one day, but I haven't made it yet. But uh, I'm going to try and it'll be just, you know, I've never played in a, in a tournament that big. I play in local tournaments, which we have. Uh, matter of fact, I'll give the little plug right now. We have a, uh, a little uh, poker scene here in uh, Northeast Ohio in uh, the Youngstown, Mahoning Valley area. And it is a, uh, a community foundation, uh, the West Pennsylvania and East Ohio, a nonprofit organization that presents uh, no limit Texas Hold'em tor- tournaments um, almost every weekend. 
as uh, we have uh, tournaments twice, a, two times a day. Uh, sometimes it's up to three or four days in a row. This week, they're going to be uh, Friday and Saturday, uh, May 12th and 13th, over at the American Legions in Girard, Ohio. Tony Potts is the man who runs it, and uh, he does a great job. And the buy-ins are only 60 bucks. Uh, the good news is uh, $5 goes towards a bounty chip, so you can make some money if you can bust some people. And uh, we also have a, a point system where they do quarterly uh, free roll, and that quarterly free roll usually runs for about a, a five, 5K uh, prize pool, so it's not too shabby as they uh, do that as uh, for a small little buy-in. I think the 20 people who qualify for it through the points, and then he does a raffle for 15 more and uh, puts you into this uh, tournament for an opportunity to uh, for a free roll. Because what he does, he takes $5 out of every uh, entry for the uh, bounty and $5 for the, uh, for the uh, prize pool later. So it's not a bad uh, system he's come up with. And uh, they also uh, do cash games. One, two cash games starts at 9 a.m. most days and plays until uh, – the game breaks. Sometimes it's it goes 24, 48, 72 hours uh, without a break. But they have a splash pot at 9 o'clock every morning, and that splash pot is uh, an extra $100 value on that one hand. So I like it. There's my little plug for uh, the uh, tournaments here locally. And uh, it. it's not a bad little uh, gig we got going on here. Yeah, I, to, to be honest, and that's what I miss the most from living this life. It is, uh, and even, I shouldn't even say that because even when I was in Ottawa, uh, you know, that tournament poker scene has really gone down. But I miss those tournaments where you can just have a lot of fun and try to make a few bucks too, where when you're playing a tournament in Vegas, no matter you know, what the buy-in, you know you're going to be playing with players that are serious players or just in Vegas to play some tournaments where, you know, it's a bit more competition and maybe not as fun as it would be, you know, hanging out with some friends and stuff. So I do miss that a lot. And uh, again, not to, to bash a, a wonderful tournament at Aria, for example, but um, to, to me, I sort of, you know, miss the days of uh, playing for fun and having just a good well, time. Well, if you ever uh, make a trip down to Northeast Ohio area, you're more than welcome to stop by and, and uh, play and, and have some fun. And uh, you even talk to uh, Tom Sura, if you remember that name from the World Series from 2015. I think he finished like 14th or 15th. Right. And uh, he's uh, from Girard. And uh, he plays in these tournaments uh, quite often and uh, is one of the uh, leaders of the the group, I should say, that uh, in the Northeast Ohio here who uh, plays these tournaments. And Tom plays a lot of the uh, tournaments over in West Virginia and P- Pittsburgh and Cleveland and that even up to Erie. I know you have talked to him many times. He says, yeah, I get up in the morning. Sometimes I'll just take a drive out to Erie and play it, play one of their tournaments and stuff like that. So Tom kind of lives that, that low grinder life and, uh, you know, looks for the opportunity to have a big cash again, you know, at the world series, maybe this coming uh, summer. So we'll wait and see how he does, but uh, he's, he's an interesting guy. Maybe before he heads to Chicago, Mitch Trubinsky might have to show up right before he, uh, yeah, there you go. There Before you go. he heads to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Charlie Fry is going to show up, you know? Another Ohio boy. There's <laughs> yeah, throwing the names back. Yeah, we'll get into that. Oh, By yeah. the way, Eric, you might as well talk about this. Let's get into this since we're talking a little football there. You're a Cleveland Browns fan. I am, uh, sadly, a uh, not a fan. <laughs> I am a diehard Cleveland Brown fan. It is. Uh, How did that you, become? You know, when I was really young, um, 
it sort of happened with hockey as well, and a bit with soccer, soccer as well. Um, in hockey, uh, being French Canadian, everyone was a Montreal Canadiens fan, and I just liked to be different when I was a kid. You know, I was I would challenge. I remember a kid show that everyone would watch. I would watch the the other one just because that's who I was back then. So I became a Toronto Maple Leafs fan instead of being a Habs fan. And I guess, again, years of misery as a Leafs <laughs> fan. So it makes sense that I picked the, the Browns. But uh, in in Ottawa, where I live, basically, we had the Bills. And when the Bills were blacked out because they couldn't sell out, we'd have the Browns. And everyone was a, a Buffalo Bills fan. And we're talking like early years Jim Kelly and probably just a bit yeah, pre-Jim Kelly. Right. So, so before the Bills were the big thing and just choking and losing every Super Bowl, uh, everyone was a Bills fan uh, even at that point. And I just loved Cleveland, uh, the old municipal stadium. And I would, you know, I'm a Jays fan. So I would watch, you know, Jays play the Indians in September and it was cold and disgusting and muddy. And that's what I, you know, really I loved about uh, the Browns as well. And I wanted to be different and choose something else than the Bills. So I chose the Browns and, you know, Things looked great when I was really young, you know. We had some great years there with Bernie Kozar, but unfortunately, uh, it's been pretty miserable since. So, um, yeah, but a really huge, like, diehard fan. It's one of my three teams. I'm a fan of the, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm a fan of the Cleveland Browns. I'm a fan of the Arsenal uh, soccer club back in England. I guess a bit of a Jays fan. I was a Jays and an Expos guy, so I really could not pick a team when it comes to Canada. We only had two teams back then, so yeah, I would no. get- and it was great because I'd get the French broadcasts of exactly. the Expos and the English side. I'd get the Jays. So, different leagues back then. They didn't even play against each other. They so didn't, they didn't play each other. each other. That's exactly. right. I, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't forced to make a decision. So yeah, well, yeah just a, a I have huge, no problem with that. <laughs> yeah, huge Browns guy. I've been to to Cleveland. I believe it's eight times uh, to see the Browns. Oh, okay. And uh, it's about a seven to eight hour drive from from Ottawa. Uh, now that I'm in Vegas, I'm hoping to take my wife, my new my new wife. Hopefully she'll yes, congratulations. Thank you, thank by you. The way. So hopefully she'll enjoy, you know, leaving Vegas for the nice uh, Cleveland weather. But uh, but you, you'll be uh, happy for him to know that uh, I used to go just with one friend, and then I went with two friends, and then the last few years we were eight, nine people going to see the Browns, and some weren't Browns fans. But they totally enjoy the experience every time and they want to go back. So um, for those people that have not seen the Browns, it is one of the legendary teams. And it's so exciting. The tailgate is fun, but also within the stadium for me. And I've had some crazy games. I've had games where we were driving through the worst snowstorm in Pennsylvania history, trying to get our butts to to Cleveland, where it was so cold (laughs) that the beer taps were frozen. And then the year after, we were there in December, and it was balmy. It was like in the 80s, seeing a... I think it was Charlie Fry's debut actually against the Dolphins. Oh, okay. so, yeah. so you know, way back when. So yeah, I just yeah. love the Browns. I love Cleveland Brown Stadium. Love that area as well. Just beautiful, you know, with uh, uh, Jacobs Field with the Hall of Fame. Just a really great uh, setup. And I think it was one of the first, you know, not to brag about you know beautiful Cleveland, but it was one of the first uh, resurgences of downtown and you know. You know in, in Ottawa, the uh, the hockey arena is basically 40 minutes away from downtown, okay. and now they're actually talking about building an arena right, down, yeah. yeah, right where the parliament is, right where the water is, you know, and you, you see that in Toronto and in Montreal, so it just makes sense. But I remember when Cleveland did that; I think that's you know amazing work, and yeah, just a huge fan of Cleveland, and uh, really happy. I'm not a Cavs fan, but when the Cavs won last year, I really felt for. I felt as a uh, 
as a Clevelander, you know, that uh, 30 for 30 documentary was a rough one. So it was great that we could update that 30 for 30 with, um, you know, adding the, the Cavs victory. There's no doubt about that. You know, a little uh, Browns history here for you, for me. Um, I was a, uh, a Browns fan for a long time and goes back to about 1980, you know, with the uh, yeah. miracle, uh, not miracle, but the cardiac hits. Miracle yeah. Richfield was the Cavs back in the 70s. Uh, but um, I grew up uh, here in Boardman, Ohio, and fortunate enough to uh, lived on the same street as Bernie Kosar. That's awesome. And watched and caught passes and played backyard football and baseball with the with the Kosar family and, and I was able to watch his progression. And it's like I always always told everyone, I says, you know, when he was in the backyard, you knew you needed to play in uh, the next level, you know, whatever that right. was in the schools and stuff like that. When he was in high school, I knew he needed to be playing Division One football. And when he was at the University of Miami, I knew he needed to be in the NFL. And uh, you know, and then to see him uh, run and find a way to get to Cleveland back when you really couldn't choose your team. You know, he right. kind of bypassed the uh, draft and, and, and really took advantage of, of a loophole to get there. And, and of course the Browns became one of the best uh, teams in the league there for about a six, seven year period from like yeah. 85 to about 91 when he was uh, the, the main attraction in Cleveland. There's no doubt about it. So it was a, a nice experience for me growing up and uh, to watch that happen. And, and I was able to uh, get some season tickets back in the day and uh, awesome. even had front row dog pound at one time. Oh, God. Yeah, Love back in about 1990 or so, it was, uh, it was about four of our, my friends. Uh, we got together and uh, went up and uh, got them. And what happened is we uh, met some guy who says, I can get you tickets. I was like, all right, let's talk about it. And uh, next thing I know, I, we were buy, buying season tickets and we were uh, sitting front row on the dog pound. Unfortunately... The year, first year we did that, they, I think they won three games or four oh, games. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was the end of Bud Carson's. I see, yeah. Right at, at, the, uh, at the Browns. But I had uh, many times I spent uh, weekends in the uh, dog pound, uh, anywhere I could get seats back in the, uh, the glory day of the Browns. Unfortunately, we haven't had many of them. Hmm. However, uh, I think we're headed in the right way. You get, as a stat guy, as analytic guy that you are, Tell me, what are you, what's your thoughts of the Browns uh, taking this approach to use more analytics to their drafting of players and ranking of their own players and around the league? It's not done in the NFL. It's done a lot in baseball. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's done in baseball. It's being done in hockey a lot. And to be fair, in my fantasy hockey league, I've now spun it in where I use advanced stats to select my players. And there's a few stats in particular that I love. So I think that in fantasy sports, it actually should be the norm, you know, for most people. Uh, I, I, I love the way I, I used to manage my, uh, the junior hockey team in, in Rockland, my hometown, my actual hometown. That's the team that Brian Murray managed in 76 when we won the junior A Centennial Cup. So maybe some, some history there. The year I was born, uh, Rockland was Canadian champions in junior hockey. So way back when, and then Brian went on to, to now be the GM of the Ottawa Senators. So he's gone on to, to Washington and to Detroit and all that good stuff. And we were starting that. It was part of, you know, some of the teams in bigger cities had money. So, and, you know, we're talking about 16, 17, 18 year olds. You're not supposed to pay them and you don't pay them, but 
hey, you give a kid a $1,000 pair of skates, they'll probably go play for the big team in Ottawa, not your small town. So one of the ways we were starting to look at is advanced stats. Now, we didn't have, of course, the stats that are available to to professional leagues. But I, I think for the Browns, I love this. And why not? Why not try something new? And um, I love the accumulation of, uh, of picks. I think that's smart. Uh, I always look at the, you know, there's some tendencies in the NFL, one thing called the draft value chart, which is something that I am obsessed with, you know, just evaluating talent and looking at that, uh, um, that um, I now forget. Uh, oh, God, who's that terrible quarterback we got this for a second rounder? Um, oh, you're talking about Kaiser? Uh, uh, also, yeah, Brock. Oh, you're talking about a few drafts back where we kept screwing up the quarterback position. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Brock Osweiler that we got. And, and then they, they also gave us a second round pick. So looking at that with the draft value chart, to me, that's a brilliant move. And that's, it was, I truly agree. Yeah. And was, it, it's sad I, to say that it's fine to waste $17 million, but when there's a salary cap and stuff, it is, it does make sense. And they'll get some luxury tax uh, component to it. So I love that. I love that that is being done. I think that's smart. I think it's a different way to see things. And in the NFL, unlike any other sports league in North America, the players you draft will play and they'll be very, very valuable to you. The guy you're getting in the fourth round is still going to play on your offensive line. So, you know, that's really key. The the NFL draft is different than any others. In the NBA, you have two rounds and it's hit or miss. Um, In the NHL, they can go in the minors for six, seven years and you don't, you know, you're not able to use them. There's a few exceptions there's Cindy Crosby's Austin Matthews but for the most part in the NHL you're drafting a player for the future not for the now whereas the NFL these players are valuable so to me if you're acquiring assets and don't get me wrong I I would love to have Jimmy Garoppolo as my quarterback but I wasn't willing to give Miles Garrett for him I I don't think that would have been a good move by the team and to be honest team I think previous franchises would have done that uh, you know, or would have you know, broken the bank and moved up with their second first round pick and moved up the fourth to, to grab someone that, um, you know, I don't think he, he would have been, you know, the, the player maybe to grab him a home just because of the name and because he might be the future Brett Favre, but he might not be the future Brett Favre. And I remember that Johnny Manziel uh, um, uh, draft where I was just thinking to myself, there's Teddy Bridgewater, uh, you know, waiting in the wings. There's Derek Carr waiting in the rings. And no, no, no. I, I, you can actually check my Twitter. I was a big Derek Carr guy before anyone got on. Uh, one of my friends at the WPT is from San Jose, and it was a big San Jose State fan. So he kept on talking to me about, you know, Derek Carr, Derek Carr. We were in Montreal. We saw their bowl game. Uh, so, you know, so I, 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 that's how I knew about Derek Carr. Before, I didn't know about him and just knew that he was, you know, another Carr's brother that the Texans drafted first great. overall. And, you know, so that draft to me, it it just frustrated me. But to be fair, when we drafted Johnny Manziel, part of me thought that was awesome as well, right? And we we, we tend to poo on the Browns because they draft quarterbacks in the first round. One thing we should not forget is that for the most part, it is a late first round pick and they've already drafted. When we drafted Brady Quinn, we got Joe Thomas first overall. So, you know, the Browns get pooed on for wasting first round draft picks on quarterbacks. However, both of those times with Brady Quinn and with Johnny Manziel, they did get, don't get me wrong, they did terrible with Justin Gabriel. But, you know, with the, you know, the Joe Thomas one, he's a Hall of Famer. So that was a good move. And people actually thought they should have picked Johnny Manziel first overall. They still went with their gut. 
and pick Joe Thomas. So, you know, the Browns get a bit of a hard time, I think, I find, uh, from a lot of the analysts. And it's easy to to do that on the Browns. But, um, yeah, I like what they're doing. And why not try to something new? What we were trying didn't work. And I think it's hard to maybe get some of the free agents to come to Cleveland. It's not going to L.A. now that they have two teams. It's not going to, to New England where you're going to get the ball thrown to by, from Tom Brady. So that's pretty easy as a job. So I think trying something new is, is actually the way to go and good on them and really hope that Sashi Brown and the team can uh, figure something out for us. Yeah, it, it quite, um, you know, I, I kind of agree with you where they had nothing to lose. They had everything yeah. gained and nothing to lose by trying something new. And I, uh, I give them credit for that, you know, and you know, the NFL, you don't build a team overnight. We all know that. Right. And it takes three, four years, unfortunately. And you have to accumulate, picks and yeah and that's what the browns have done and the last three years you know last two or a year and a half i should say i think they've uh they put a plan in 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 progress and i think it has an opportunity to succeed like i've always said about anything you got to have the opportunity to succeed and fail but you have to let them have that opportunity unfortunately cleveland for about six to eight year period from about 2005 after you know, Butch Davis left this team up until now. They didn't give any or anybody in the front office nor on the field as a head coach an opportunity to really succeed. They definitely had an opportunity to fail, but they never had the opportunity to succeed. Bought into some of the people that they brought in. I think Phil Savage was probably the most knowledgeable one they had prior, but he only lasted like two or three seasons as yeah. a GM. And, uh, you know, he's the one who did draft uh, – Joe Thomas, you know, right. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes you're going to, you're going to hit home runs, you know, and that's just the way it works. Sometimes you get aces in your hands, right? Yeah. I, I really like the fact that they didn't necessarily waste a too high of a draft pick on a, on a quarterback, knowing that the draft class next year looks to be absolutely ridiculous with Sam Darnold at USC and the UCLA guy that I forget his name, but there's a few star quarterbacks maybe waiting in the wings. So Let's see, and you know, who knows? Maybe this Notre Dame kid is going to be the real deal. We'll just have to probably wait a bit to, to figure that out. But, hey, we've got Brock Osweiler throwing the ball for us there next year. Go. So we're good to go. <laughs> Don't forget, Super, hey, Super Bowl champion. Up, uh, yeah, exactly. That's he's right. He didn't win a championship. Can't take that away. And I always uh, tell people, by the way, when he tells me, when people tell me the Browns haven't won the Super Bowl in, in a long time, I always tell them that's untrue. We got one stolen from us in the 90s, so we're guessing yeah. early 2000s. So let's never forget that, that Ray Lewis and company, that was supposed to be our team. So yeah, it was. Yeah, and Ozzie Newsom is one of ours. So Yes, he is. You know, unfortunate what happened back in uh, yeah. the mid-90s with the Browns. But uh, we'll move on to more interesting stuff. Now, I was reading on your uh, on the GPI uh, website that uh, Alex Dreyfus mentioned or announced that you're branching out into esports with the, the gaming player index. Uh, that's, that's intriguing. I'm not a gamer myself. I know a lot of people who love playing those online games and the growth of uh, esports is huge as you yeah. can see with uh, Twitch and uh, you just, what they've done with poker alone, you know, as a, a side project for them. But this is a this is a big deal to try to uh, rank these players uh, and what they achieve on a uh, on their own level of the gaming that they're they're playing. Yeah, 
ultimately the goal is to, to rank them. I think the goal at first will be to, to have a melded database because what we can see from gaming, and I'm not a gamer as well, but you know, stats are stats to me. So when I look at the, you know, the opportunity there, uh, there aren't exactly any websites that have every single game together. So what we're looking to do is to, you know, to build that community so that players that do play a few different games, you know, can have their, their profiles merge. Now, what we have seen in research is most players play one game in particular and play it very well. So I think that's where we can get some different uh, rankings uh, eventually. But I think at, at first it's really to, to find the best way to merge all those results together and then see what we can do. Uh, because, you know, that's something that is missing in the, in the gaming world. And yeah, the gaming world is pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, compared to poker, it's, uh, poker, poker is a 10th of what, uh, not even it's a hundredth of what gaming is. And I was at TwitchCon uh, last year, I guess in November, ah. I forget when that was now, but even at TwitchCon, it is yeah. amazing. The people that are there. Uh, I felt old. I'll, I'll be honest. I felt old. But trying to learn, trying to learn from what they're doing. But they, they, the show that they put on, and they had uh, the World Championship of Mario Kart. Like, think about that. Mario Kart had a World Championship, and there was twenty five thousand people watching that. So, you know, and then online they were, they had something on the Twitch platform, and four million people were watching that on on their computers at home. So. Yeah, what they're doing is, is something that we'd like to be a part of. And I think in that vein that we're trying to merge into is something we can offer that's not necessarily there yet. So hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to, uh, to to help out, to, to help them out and get that uh, going with them. That's quite interesting. There's no doubt about it. It's it's a huge uh, a generational thing, I think, uh, for yeah. those who are maybe under 35 and know more, a lot more about it, me being 50. Um uh, I still remember just, you know, the Atari games and, right. <laughs> and the old 2600 and stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, hey, it is, it's really interesting. And I think, uh, you know, even DFS uh, has eSports and yeah. that will be a part of the platform, you know, in a sense. I think it's something that's is definitely here to stay. And it's, it's an interesting opportunity uh, for uh gpi i guess i would call it uh, to, to branch out into something different other than poker but the uh let's talk about that for just a second how did you get involved with uh alex dreyfus and, and how did it all come about um being involved with the uh rankings in the gpi i used to um i first started uh, basically i had a nine to five job actually it was a 6 a.m to 4 p.m job and uh, I was just working, uh, running an office uh, space was what I was doing. Before then, I was a, a manager, Ticketmaster. Uh, you know, just a, yeah, I guess I was just a, a, a intent of guy, right? That's right, Toronto Mill guy. I studied in radio broadcasting when I was younger, but it just couldn't find what I, a niche that I liked. Uh, sports radio wasn't around in my area back then. Had it been, I think I would have found a, found that as a, um, as something to do. Uh, I used to to be the public address announcer at my local hockey games. I understood that wasn't going to be a way to pay the bills. So <laughs> I had to find just a nine to five. And it was great. Actually, at Ticketmaster, I had a lot of fun, you know, a lot of young, you know, energetic people working there. And, you know, what they've done since I've left is quite amazing. And, you know, the billions of dollars in our raking in, that wasn't around when I was, uh, I was there. I was there, I guess, pre-internet, when you think about that, before you could actually buy a ticket online. And we, we went through that time where wow. websites would crash and it was just horrific. Yeah. <laughs> 
horrific times and now no one calls to buy a ticket right they just go online no, no, they go online with your app right that's right or your app you're right we um, do it so on just, our phone you know it's, it's amazing it's exactly what's happening now yeah i wouldn't have thought that was going to happen uh, 20 years ago you but know, it's here now <laughs> many years ago my brother who was a uh, computer guy and i'm I was a sports guy, you know, and I, yeah. Oh, okay, Chris. Okay. He goes, no, you're going to have, this is, you know, I'm talking about back early eighties, you know, when right. computers were not common. Right. You know, and he was like, you're, oh, they'll be in their house and it'll run your, this and it'll run your TV. And, and, you know, someday you'll use it as a phone. I'm like, what are you nuts? And here we are, you and I talking uh, via a video Skype or a yeah. video Google hangout, I should say. And, you know, I look at it, I shake my head, and I go, Chris, you knew everything back then, and I knew nothing. You That's know, right. and, I, and, and today, I, you know, I can't imagine not walking around with a phone uh, to get my latest updates and everything else going on, let alone using it to, uh, to call someone. And it's, it's amazing uh, the world we live in and how uh, 15, 20 years can change. I mean, yeah. 2008, there was no such thing as a smartphone, you know? That's right. And here we are today and, and with everything that goes on. Wow, I tell you what, I could go on and on and on about a lot of different things with you, and it's been a lot of fun. And I hope to do this again here with you uh, in the future, uh, Eric. And I want to appreciate you taking this time to uh, spend with me and uh, working with me as we uh, took a couple strikes uh, before we hit a home run here. Yeah. Speaking uh, of technology, right? <laughs> exactly, a little technology glitch. But uh, you know what? I really do appreciate you taking the time and doing this and, and being my first guest on my one-on-one uh, podcast here on Radio MVP. And just a little plug, uh, please go to our uh, website. I'm very proud of it, radiomvp.com. And you can find us on Facebook at Radio MVP Pod. Believe it or not, someone stole my Radio MVP monologue on that. But, hey, it happens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know, some DJ got it. I'm like, what the heck do you need it for? But uh, this is uh, the Valley's most valuable podcast, as I like to say, here in uh, the Mahoning Valley. And, uh, Eric, uh, have a great time uh, going out to Las Vegas. Best to you and your new bride. Thank you. And uh, I look forward to uh, – hopefully contacting you uh, maybe after the World Series and we can uh, discuss sure. more about what the GPI looks like and we'll get into some of the players and stuff like that. I was just more wanted a kind of a round discussion about a little of everything, more about Eric and more about what uh, you do versus uh, talking about uh, the different poker players and their rankings. Sounds good. We'll do it again anytime you want. I'll, I'm there for you, Tim. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. That is Eric Denis, as we tie here on Radio MVP. My thanks to Eric. My thanks to you for listening and uh, maybe viewing. We're going to see if we're going to post this here on my. Uh, Come on. I even showered for this, Tim. Come on. Uh, don't worry. I didn't either. <laughs> I still got my, my car parts. So here's a little plug for my guys that work car parts uh, warehouse where I drive around all day long delivering auto parts. So, hey, you never know. But I'll tell you what, real quick. Uh, if you like wine in the area, and I'm talking about the guys who are from Northeast Ohio and around the uh, country here, uh, life is complicated, but we, wine shouldn't be, and we made it easy. Join Direct Sellers Wine Club. Uh, get monthly deliveries to your directly to your door. Discover new selections each month, and if you like those selections, you can buy it at the club price, and you can actually build a business doing this if you'd like. You can find more information if you go to our Facebook page 
and click shop now. It'll take you to the website and you can get your wine there. Some great opportunities and it's an opportunity for everyone to uh, get involved and maybe just uh, have some wine and enjoy the summer that's coming. Hey, you get the French guy on you to talk wine. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, thanks again, my friend. Thanks. Sir. I will. Uh, I look forward to talk to you again and uh, have a great night. You bet. Once again, I want to thank Eric Denis for his time tonight, and we will talk to you all very soon as Anthony and I will be back with our sports podcast. Once again, don't forget to go to our webpage, RadioMVP.com, and please give us some likes and some comments on our Facebook page, Radio MVP Pod. We'll catch you next time. Thanks again. This is Tim, and this has been the debut of One on One with Tim Continenza. Thanks again, everyone.